Welcome to On Target, the local search association's podcast exploring the intersection of technology, media, and local commerce. Hi, everyone. This is Charles Laughlin, and welcome to this edition of On Target. I want to thank our sponsors for this edition, Boostability and Netlinks. So we'll hear more about each of those companies uh, during the podcast. Today's guest is Perry Evans, who, if you've been around the local and SMB world for any amount of time, you know Perry. Uh, him, along with Mark Cannon, who we had on an earlier podcast, probably the two people with the most experience, arguably, in bringing or building software for small businesses. And anyone who's tried to do that knows how hard it is. And they've been through it all, and Perry's been through it all. So we hear a little bit about the experiences he's had building small business software, what he's learned, and uh, but we mostly talk about what he's doing now, which is uh, running product for ThriveHive, which is a company that acquired his company closely last year. And ThriveHive is known for, and as was Perch, which was uh, the product for closely, known for this notion of guided marketing, uh, which is kind of a big topic uh, in any anyone selling to small businesses or anyone selling at all. Uh, loves this notion of guided selling, guided marketing, taking the guesswork out of the sales process, and also uh, creating better outcomes by just having a really smartly designed system that asks the right questions and uses data to uh, make the right recommendations in real time. And uh, so we wanted to hear what he's been working on and what his thoughts are on guided marketing. And we also talked about entrepreneurship and his views on what it takes to succeed as a startup and um, you know, as, as I note during the interview, hard work is a given, but what really what really matters uh, in entrepreneurial success. And we also talked about whether this is a good time to start a business, and his answer on that was a bit mixed. Uh, but as an, as an entrepreneur, he's an eternal optimist, as all entrepreneurs are. So it's a great conversation. And uh, again, thanks to our sponsors, Boostability and Netlinks. And we will see you Next week, I hope, at Local Search Association 18 in Chicago. So, great. Thanks. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Today's episode of On Target is sponsored in part by Boostability. Established in 2009, Boostability was founded on a simple business model to create affordable and effective SEO for the small business marketplace. And it's worked. Today, Boostability serves over 26,000 small businesses, helping them elevate their digital presence and succeed online. Boostability primarily works with partners that offer their white-label SEO, social media, and website building services to their SMB clients. The company has over 400 employees based in two offices across the Silicon Slopes of Utah, with satellite locations in Amsterdam and Berlin. For more information, visit BoostAbility.com. Hey, Perry, how are you? Great, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. So, last year, your company uh, closely operated a perch, uh, the you know mobile app, the social media management app, uh, was acquired by Gatehouse, uh, which owns ThriveHive, and um, I've just... You know, named about four uh, companies right there. Walk us through what was the logic of that acquisition and kind of walk us through how it's gone so far. It's what been, it was Q4 last year? Yeah, the, the basic framework, if you think about it, <clears throat> first of all, kind of what we were doing it closely was we were the 
essentially the publisher of a product called Perch, which was direct to small business as a mobile first tool for helping a business um, follow and interact with the social signals that, that come about them every day and, and mm-hmm. surround the business. So we built a, a unique model of two things. One is a low cost of, of acquisition uh, for a small business um, owner mm-hmm. and a high degree of product engagement. So two things that most people haven't succeeded at is, is a scalable cost of acquisition and uh, a way to really create a digital relationship. Um, we, we succeeded on both those fronts um, with a user base of about 150,000 registered small businesses and a, mm-hmm. and a unit cost economics, you know, sub five or six dollars to, acquire and and engage a small business in a mobile app experience. So mm-hmm. from that vantage, um, you know, we had a, a successful sort of core free product model and we continued to improve on the concept of engaging business more and more towards an everyday um, experience with their own data. So we got to the point, I think, you know, by I'd say, this time last year, you know, the average monthly user of Perch was engaging with the mobile application 20 times a month, mm-hmm. which is approaching a, a everyday habit and a, a monthly active user base of 25 to 30,000 small businesses. So um, we had secured a core profile, but what we <clears throat> were really on a path towards was what we were, we used the term of, of sort of guidance in the context of instead of just focusing on what's happening around you, we found that what most businesses were missing was a a quality approach to their social presence. Meaning when a business claims their Yelp page, they probably did it three years ago. They filled in a little bit of information and then they really haven't done anything to nurture the quality of that. And those social pages are now as important as any landing page that a business can have. Right. What we set about to do um, about, you know, two years ago into last year was really build an engine that helps a business assess the the gaps in, in a quality social presence across their social footprint, mm-hmm. guide them to improving that on a continual iterative basis. So that whole concept of guided marketing was really core to where we were going with Perch. So to map yeah, that's that, thrive, not to jump ahead, but that's ThriveHive's. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So ThriveHive was built on the foundation of what they call guided marketing. And the, so what was, what was really kind of serendipitous and, and was, you know, we, we kept threatening a strategic partnership for about a year and a half mm-hmm. um, around ways, you know, we had the, the circle of the Venn diagram around social and mobile they had guided marketing really around web presence and a marketing system, if you will, around outbound email marketing, blogging, SEO, web, mm-hmm. and very lightweight on social. So there was a pretty ideal fit, if you will, both, um, you know, in terms of product space, more importantly, into a common philosophy of a guided approach to marketing right. that we really believed in. So that's what, that's what drove the transaction. Okay. Now, I really want to get into the guided thing in yeah. some detail, but I want to back up to something you said a moment ago, which is the getting to like 20 times per month, getting nearly that daily habit experience. What do you think was the key to that? What do you think is the key to creating something that's a, a daily habit for a small business app? That's not easy to do. 
Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's very hard, and and I think the, the the key is really a combination of two things. One is the app experience. When you think about it, all we're really doing is giving the business their own data back in a very digestible, simple form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were actually pretty proud of the fact that a business would come in and out of the app in in less than a half minute. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd come in to check on something or they'd respond to a live mobile notification that says, you know, someone has commented on your social post. You have so to- most of the activity was prompted by a push notification of some sort. Um, yeah, that and the other key dimension that we really stumbled upon in our in our product cycle of the years was really the importance of of keeping an eye on your competitors. So right, 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 right. Each experience essentially was a combination of staying in the know about your own business, but then um, very easily following what's going on with your relevant competitors. So the average perch user was following five other businesses. Maybe a little schadenfreude there. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the cool thing about that is it it does two things. One is it captures the intrigue, if you will, of always seeing something going on. It also multiplied the volume of data going through the application by five. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What you have is a lot more content. So every time you come in, there's fresh things to see. Mm -hmm. So contrast that with what a lot of people have done around things like reputation monitoring or that you don't get that density and there's a fall off problem because there's not enough activity to keep you that engaged. Right. So you, so you easily trail out of those apps because there just isn't the concentration of volume. Right. that, that's a big part of what drove engagement in our experience. We're going to pause here for a moment to thank the other sponsor of today's podcast, Netlinks. Netlinks produces the NX PowerPack guided selling tool. If you want to find out more about the future of sales, stop by the Netlinks booth at LSA 18. And now back to the podcast. So let's move back to this notion of guided marketing. Um, on this podcast, I've had a number of guests where, um, either as a central part of the conversation or tangential to the conversation, we've talked about guided selling as sort of where ideally small business sales heads, uh, whether that's uh, in some fully automated form or or what have you. But so guided marketing, uh, guided marketing and guided selling, two completely different things are. Yeah. So, so, so the way we think about it is really, um, you know, what the reality is, is that the average business owner, really doesn't know what's most important and where to start. <clears throat> and it, it becomes the, the, the recurring problem in small business marketing is that, you know, you, you hear it all the time. They're masters of their own craft, not of marketing. Mm-hmm. Most of them have done lots of things and continue to spin four or five plates, yeah. but they really don't feel like they have the, the, the right priority set and they need help in, in sorting that out and feeling more confident. And ultimately, when you solve those problems, you also solve the churn problem that, that everybody fights in this business. Because, it, you know, at the end of the day, most of that churn is created because you either have, you're a mismatch to what the business really needs or the business doesn't believe that they need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those problems combine for you know, for high single-digit churns and an awful lot of, of application experiences. So we think the fundamental framework of how do you help the business um, know what's performing and what they're not doing, what they should be doing, 
and really it, that, that's the, the foundation for guidance. And what we found in the perch side of the experience was that um, it's, it's not enough just to give them industry averages and say, you know, Yelp is important because someone said it is. Mm-hmm. You can be very specific with them and say three of the five businesses that you're following have higher ratings than you do on this specific media or have a bigger audience or are doing a better job in, in search position mm-hmm. and it becomes really tangible and the incentive for the business to act is much more meaningful because it's really relative to their own competitive space. Mm-hmm. So a big part of, of where we're going with guidance is really establishing a better framework around the, you know, the competitive space that you live in every day as a business owner. And when you can make it that tangible, your propensity to act and, and knowing what's important becomes a lot more, more succinct. When you talk about guided marketing, is this a fully automated process or is there a human component to it? Kind of talk through how yeah. and, and, and where, where is it now and where is it ultimately? Sure. I think, um, I don't think you, it, it's smart to ever take the human out of the equation. Our view is that what we really want to do is productize a service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an awful lot of the business driven by VC logic and, and public company logic feel that the service side is, is, is the wrong thing to do. The reality is the service side actually contributes to higher margin in the long run because it, it reduces churn and creates you know, a better mapping of, 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 of growth for the business and in, in what they spend with you, mm-hmm. uh, you're doing the right things. So the way we think of it is that our job is to continually improve the quality of the recommendations that we can automate mm-hmm. that is put in front of a business or in front of a business and a marketing coach to direct the conversation in a really efficient way and to give them insights that lead to actions. We think that more and more of the, of the guidance will lead to a business making their own choices over time. Mm-hmm. The, the desire to have, a, at a minimum, a check-in with a marketing coach that, mm-hmm. that validates and, and teaches them things is a key part of a recurring relationship. So we think the, the ultimate formula is really going to be a, um, and I'll insert the obligatory, you know, AI and deep data. Um, Bingo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the hashtag component, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it applies. You know, it's okay. Yeah. No, it really does, actually. And it really kind of comes down to getting very smart about how you interpret and present um, insights and infer actions from that and how we use the, you know, the aggregated view of data. So. We can do things today just to give you a more tangible example to say, you know, when we've got a couple of hundred thousand businesses um, at the at the user level in, in Perch, we're actually watching seven or eight hundred thousand businesses. And we know across that spectrum to say, um, you're a car wash. Let me show you the seven best performing Instagram posts of car washes across the U.S., to give you insights into what's working. And we can use that in a very light touch way and just say anytime you can browse that content and get insights into 
businesses just like you and see what's working, or we can use that programmatically to start inferring what the ideal formula is for that media, for that vertical, for, Mm -hmm. so we're doing research, you know, the PhDs we have are doing research around the logic of similarities between businesses and inferring actions from performance data. So are you currently bringing customers in this way? Are you bringing customers in through other means and then onboarding them this way? Um, Both, you know, so, so, you know, there's, uh, you know, every every SMB engine out there will have multiple, you know, multiple on ramps into sure. into the into the picture. So we're we're tackling it from all angles. Okay. All right. So um, where does this uh, where does this go next? Where do, now that you know you guys are a few months into this, where do you want to take it now that you have the full resources of the gatehouse uh, megaplex <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what 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 are you able to do now? What's what's I mean, without giving away the store, as anyone would, would want, not want to do, but kind of talk us through what what's next. Yeah, I mean, I think the the the, the big picture for us is really to say, um, you know, we're still in the in the full product integration phase. These things mm-hmm. don't happen in four months, so right. so there's a lot of product integration and leverage to to be engineered over the next you know balance of the year, really before we really fully um, combine the, the two platforms. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the next stage for us is to really step back and, and rebuild a truly integrated flow of, of, of participation, whether that's you know, creation of content through to output on distribution and do that in a, in a, in a way where you know, the business from their mobile device can do an awful lot more than they do in Perch today. So extending the and embracing the functionality of a mobile experience and giving the business mm-hmm. all kinds of ways to be entering content that can synchronize to Google My Business while it synchronizes to your own website and, you know, is smart enough to know if you're trying to reach out to existing customers that that can automatically form into an email you know, path, you know, those sorts of things and getting smart about creating a dialogue for the business where they're really much more driven about what do you want to accomplish and we'll fill in the blanks on, on how you do it best. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, you know, uh, if we can solve the problem for the business of just bringing this back to, uh, uh, you know, what are you trying to do? <laughs> are you trying to get more leads? Are you trying to, um, you know, improve the quality of loyalty. Are you trying to fill seats tomorrow? Those are things that really a business can relate to much more than asking them to make the choices as to how to do that. You know, that should be our job. Right. So the, the onboarding, the first questions you ask are not, do you want to do pay-per-click, but do you want more leads or do you want more whatever? Yeah. What, what, what problem is most important to you to solve right. today or this week or, you know, that, that sort of thing. Right. I think that is is certainly core, and then you know we're going to be heads down on really innovating around the the application of of, of data driven logic for the purposes of productizing the coach model. I mean that's a, that's a very strategic theme for mm-hmm. us. We've got a a full team building around that that principle because at the end of the day, you know, do it with me is really the the core model that we ascribe to. Uh, do it yourself is a is a is a failed model for the most part, and doing it for me is just not scalable in terms of of labor. Right. 
So do it with me is a combination of automation and, and live service, basically. Exactly. And, and you know, I think the, the, certainly the current generation of technology that's now at our disposal is really just, we're just scratching the surface on how, okay. how much you can build. Um, you know, instead of just building um, insights, you're really building actions from those insights. And that's where it gets really... Well, insights leading to recommendations, right? And, exactly. And, yeah. and really leading even to actions. So mm-hmm. scripting what to do with the data is much more important to us than mm-hmm. just presenting data. And even, even Google, I think, would admit, you know, that a very small fraction of the small business universe has even ever opened a Google Analytics report, let right. alone what to do with the fancy graphs that show that. They can't interpret that. What they want is, what is this data telling me to do? And that's right. where we're trying to go. So, so you're not pushing... Uh, dashboards and reports on folks you're just giving them recommendations asking them questions giving them recommendations telling them what's they're experiencing what their data shows that they're either they're experiencing or that's going on around them that they should respond to yeah we're we're delighted by the fact that most small businesses never log into a dashboard that's right that's that's the thing to bet against i would (laughs) okay and I'll, i'll put my money where you're putting it um okay okay so um but just so do it for me. I, you know, again, combination of automation and service. Again, sort of look, pushing back again on what I was saying earlier. Does that and do it, do it your DIY? It doesn't work in small business, as you say. But over time, I mean, as you say, this gets smarter. Doesn't it become a little more DIY and a little less DIFM? Or DIWM, excuse me. Yeah. So, so I think the you know the with me equation. You know, I, I think there's an argument that over time. Um, there, there's more done automatically. Mm-hmm. I don't think of that as really DIY. I think at the end of the day, what we find is that businesses um, say they don't want to do things and they say they want to do things. What they really need is to learn and understand along the way yeah. and, and apply their true business judgment to make the decisions. And mm-hmm. It's, it's extremely difficult to fully automate that, and it's probably naive to think that that's going to be how it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think most importantly, you know, I, I use the analogy sometimes, if you look at sort of online real estate buying, you know, the, the experience has changed forever on how a consumer shops and what data is at their disposal, mm-hmm. uh, but they still use an agent because at right. the end of the day, there's still that, I really don't know, you know, enough about what I'm doing here, but I'm sure going to be an informed shopper. And I have the yeah, cars. Maybe has taken it a little further than now that they're, the salesman is sort of being brought out of that piece, but but still, yeah, not fully. I think of it more as there's a there's a cooperative model of marketing right. that that I think is really what what businesses really want. Businesses don't want to hand everything over. They still, you know, every entrepreneur or business owner has a bit of a control freak in them at the end of the day. Right. They're independent business people for a reason. And I think more than anything at, at, you know, almost in a Maslow's sort of way, you want to say, let us help you feel less stupid first. Right. In fact, I I think, um, as I recall the conversation I had with Mark Cannon, Mm -hmm. recent sort of making the same point as if you can help them feel uh, don't don't make them feel stupid for one thing <laughs> and if you can help them make them feel less stupid that's uh, all the better you know right but exactly. i think yeah no one wants to feel like they they don't know what they're doing 
Right. And, and, you know, sort of working your way up from that, it's also, mm -hmm. you know, giving them the insights to show what's working and asking them when they're ready to calibrate it up. Because mm -hmm. a, a part of that is also, you know, at the end of the day, you're also trying to encourage them to do more when they need, when they're ready to grow more, mm -hmm. ready to tackle and, you know, a new angle on how they market and differentiate their business. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be, able to to mine those veins if you will and and take advantage of those of those conversation opportunities because you know we're not doing this just to you know just to be nice we're doing this to expand our business as well of course finding the right match and giving them the right um you know confidence to to start trying new things and guiding them along that way as a continual program plus the other thing to keep in mind is this stuff changes every single week in one form or another so the the, you know, the concept that you can put something on true autopilot, I think, is pretty naive. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, you know, you've been in this small business world one way or another. Um, well, day but it's been a while, right? Going back to, I don't know if MapQuest was a specifically an SMB play, but certainly most everything since then, and that to some degree, mm -hmm. has been around the small business world. And Sort of looking at that as a continuum. So, where are we in the game now in terms of, you know, sort of bringing SMBs fully online, and also just being at a point where you can actually win in the SMB space because it's it's been a tough. You, you, no one knows better than you how hard it's been, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the you know you you have to have a, a a unique passion to go after this market. There's no question. It's a really hard market. It's really big and it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't, I think the, the thing that I look at is that um, this is becoming less and less of a market and more and more a collection of, of, of market. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that we see is, is you're seeing stacks form into more true solutions that are more tailored to either a vertical or a problem space. And, and we're certainly um, going to be aiming down that path of, you know, verticalizing guidance is the smartest way to deepen, um, right. you know, retention over just about anything else you could do. So I, I you know, I'm, so that's the next path for you is to do this for. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, that the, the, you're, you're naive to think that, that a small business is a market. I think that's, that's, right. that's silliness and it keeps getting proven over and over. Again. So do you see it as a, a series of verticals or do you see it as a series of, I mean, you can look at it as there's the, market to help small businesses get, get and retain customers and there's the market to help small businesses manage their back office and then there's the market to help small businesses do other things yeah. and then there's the medical then there's the home services and the, you know these are all I, different I, ways to look at it I, I, I think there's certainly clusters of verticals that logically fit together I mean you know mm -hmm. I, I think and you you see that information if you look at you know sort of health beauty fitness as an example I mean, right there's arguably 50 vertical markets in that cluster, but they all have enough right. commonality of, of need. Yeah, that, whereas a mind-body can kind of go to market and exactly. cross all of those. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, who, you know, you don't logically think that a pet service is the same as a, a chiropractic, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. So I think there are some, some logical sort of super category kind of model mm -hmm. that I think are relevant, but I, I think knowing the, and it's not just vocabulary, it's also 
what stack of tools are most important. You know? So is it possible to win as just as a point solution, or do you have to be a full stack or a semi-full stack provider to have any success in I think the you know the full stacks are eating the point solutions, but I think that's a that's a continual evolution. I think you know point solutions have their place, and and that typically is where innovation happens. Mm-hmm. In my experience, that solving a specific problem in a unique way, um, and, you know, is is still a very valid way for a startup, especially to to right. hold the market. One last thing: is this a good time to be an entrepreneur? Is this a good time to be starting a business? Um, in, in many ways, yes. In some ways, I think it's it's a little more challenging. Um, mm-hmm. There's certainly, you know, there is so much infrastructure available to an entrepreneur to start in very lean ways that mm-hmm. never existed five years right. ago. So, which is kind of what we talk about in this tech adoption index that we're doing, which is how, um, yeah, there are just so many you know, cloud-based tools and just uh, ways to really not have much overhead starting yeah. business. Yeah, and at the same time, and it's also probably one of the noisiest periods yeah. where an awful lot of the capital kind of believes that, you know, the bet's got to be huge to, mm-hmm. to justify any any investment capital. So so in many ways, I think the funding environment for speculative early stage is, is drying up. Right. More dry than it was five years ago. Um, but, you know, um, I'm a I'm a classic serial entrepreneur, so I'm probably not the right guy to ask. And, you know, I always believe that there's a market for good ideas. And, and I do certainly believe that there's a plethora of ways to, to start really cheaply. And, mm-hmm. you know, the discipline of uh, MVP and, and validation is probably the most important principle. So there's it's a lot easier to um, create, test, prototype, and learn early about an idea fairly cheaply. So in that sense, it's the ideal time to go. What do you think the quality, the essential, every entrepreneur is a different human being, but what do you think are the essential qualities that make you successful as an entrepreneur? Hard work is a given other yeah. than that. Yeah. I mean, sure. You, you've, you've got to assume that you, you live the, uh, to me, the most important thing is to, is to focus on, on a problem more than a product. And, mm-hmm. Make sure that you pick one that you feel deeply passionate about and can envision yourself tackling for five to seven years versus the most entrepreneurs come in expecting something to be a three-year cycle when the reality is most businesses are at least a five to seven-year cycle before anything anything material happens in terms of exit or, or, or aggregation. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the biggest advice I always give is fall in love with the problem, not your idea of a solution because you're nine times out of 10, your first idea is wrong. You don't know how wrong it is yet, but you learn a lot and be prepared to throw away your idea and focus on the problem, you know, in a different way. So it's better to be right about the problem than be right to be right about your solution to the problem. In other words, you better be identifying a good problem instead of thinking you have a good solution to it. Yeah. And, and I think the, the other thing that I, I, you know, in my experience, entrepreneurs tend to not think enough about is really the, the, the dynamics of the market space that they're in and to make sure it's got the, the, you know, enough scale and opportunity, but also the dynamics where they're, you're solving a problem that has competing interests that create high value mm-hmm. 
all paths down the road. I've, I've seen people, and I've done this myself, where you find yourself in a place where there's really only two or three logical acquirers of this. If that's where, if that's what the market structure uh, looks like, um, you're probably not going to have a really high value ending. Okay, that does it for this edition of On Target. Thanks to Perry Evans for joining us. And thanks to our sponsors, Boostability and Netlinks. We'll see you next time, and we'll see you next week at LSA 18 in my hometown, Chicago, Illinois. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of On Target. If you have any questions or would like to be connected with today's speakers, please email communications at the LSA.org. Have a great day.